0: We're still in our series. We're still in our series, the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts, and we're going to be in Acts chapter nine again. But we're going to go to some more verses. I know we've been in the first verse through like the 17th to 20th for a while, but now we're going to be in Acts 9 verses 26 through 31. Now this might not be an up and down jump up and down sermon, but it's going to help you. Amen. Acts chapter 9 verses 26 through 31, and. Again, we're still in our um, series, the Acts of the Apostles, the story after the cross. And let us read Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. And it reads, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were, of will, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Lord, please help me bring a word for your people, a word the way you would want it delivered, a word that you would want them to hear. Use me, Lord, like only you can to bring about conviction but not condemnation, to stretch us but not rip us apart, to take us to a new level and operate in you. In the name of Jesus, we do pray, amen. And to take your seat, I want to speak to you from the risk factor, will you become vulnerable for the kingdom? The risk factor, will you become vulnerable for the kingdom? Would you agree that life consists of a series of risks We're presented with a circumstance, the outcome of which is uncertain. We assess the situation and based on a series of internal calculations, either take a risk by faith or take a pass. You see it in a toddler deciding to take her first steps. You see it in a teenager deciding to ask her for the first date. You see it in a parent deciding to hand over the keys. You see it in a business owner making a critical hire. You see it in a person who failed the first time trying to decide whether to try again. The decisions we make are often based on several factors. Am I a natural risk taker? Usually you have an inclination toward playing it safe or taking a risk. God, his infinite wisdom or perverse sense of humor often provides us with a spouse or close friends who are at the opposite end of the spectrum. You may be naturally a risk taker while your spouse is somewhat risk averse. What do past experiences tell me? If I've been down this road before, success or failure will color the current choices. What are the other people saying about it? We we all think of times when we were influenced beyond our comfort zone by voices of those we trust. It is the potential gain worth is the potential gain worth the possible pain? We usually do a quick a quick risk reward calculation to determine whether or not this might be a step too far. Seldom are the stakes higher in the risk reward equation than when we then involves relationships. <clears throat> Entering into new relationships breaking off destructive relationships, choosing to forgive and possibly restore broken relationships. It's risky to love people. People will hurt you. Sometimes they can't be trusted. We've all been burned by someone in the past. Y'all know the song? Everybody plays a fool sometimes. (laughs) No exceptions. (laughs) See? (laughs) The idea of taking a risk on other people might not be very appealing, but sometimes that's exactly what God has in mind for us. And sometimes on that on the surface, it makes very little sense. That's exactly the circumstance a Christ follower named Barnabas found himself in, in Acts chapter nine, verses 26 through 31. He had to make a decision to take a risk On a relationship that no one around him was willing to take, he overcame a number of common obstacles to taking risks by faith, and he invested in a risky relationship that ultimately shaped the course of Christianity. As we study the story, God may prompt you with the name of someone whom he is at work in. God may even nudge you toward a step of faith that could change the course of a life, a family, or even a, a community of faith. Saul, a newly converted disciple who was formerly an enemy of the church, came to town hoping to meet up with the disciples, but they weren't interested. Can you blame them? They was like, man, I know who this guy is. He was trying to kill my mama last week. You talking about he a Christian? Well, huh? Wasn't that him who was over here trying to kill so-and-so? Now you talking about, dude, you need to go pray some more. You sure you prayed about this? Whatever, man. Do do what you want, but hey, don't bring it to my house. Maybe even they maybe they even wanted to believe it, but that he changed. But it sounded too good to be true. They, they didn't want to take a chance that a rumored conversation was just that—a rumor. I think if I've been that place, maybe I did the same thing. Why is that? What keeps us from taking a risk on people? I'm going to give you three reasons why we don't. See, Sister Reba, I got points today. Number one, (laughs) fear keeps us from taking a risk. Fear keeps us from taking a risk. We might fear failure uh, when we're starting a new project or business venture. Maybe we're afraid of rejection, especially in relationships. We wonder, will they accept me as I am? Can I tell them this part of my past? Can I really open up to them? When it comes to taking a risk on someone who has hurt us in the past, we're probably most afraid of being hurt again. Maybe you've been hurt by an ex, a business partner, an employer, or a child, and they come to us and say, I've changed. We want to believe that they changed, but we're afraid. Saul had hurt people. He had thrown men and women into prison. He had probably broken up families. He wasn't just opposed to Christianity. He was dedicated to destroying it. If you were a Christian living back then, when you heard Saul was coming to town, you would either hide or you'd get out of town. When he showed up in Jerusalem, no doubt a rumor began to circulate that he had changed. The wise thing to do was to disregard the rumors. Remember, the disciples weren't just protecting themselves, they were protecting the entire community of believers. Taking a risk on one man just didn't seem worth it. Sometimes fear can sound like wisdom. Do you really think that's a good idea? Did you really hear from God about that? You aren't afraid of failing. You're just being careful. But God doesn't rationalize our fear. He conquers it. That's why God told Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. Moses is dead. I'm going to be with him the same way I was with you. Get up off your blessed assurance and go do something. Essentially, he was saying to Joshua, get moving. Don't be afraid. Just go do it and I'll be there with you. Fear wants to keep us right where we are when God has a better destination for us. Fear will keep you from taking a risk. See, the devil always wants you to remember your past failures, what you messed up in, how you failed. But God always wants you to focus on your future and press toward the mark of his holy call. The devil always want to pull you back to the day that you didn't. Do right and always send somebody to remind you how you used to be. But God, they keep telling you, don't worry about what's behind you. Press toward the mark of his holy call because I got something that ears have not heard and eyes have not seen. I got a blessing for you so big that I don't need you to worry about your past. Stop focusing on your naysayers. Uh, I'm I'm, going to just deviate just a little bit because every time something big happens uh, to me and haters come out of nowhere. I don't know if it happened with you but it happened with me. But can I tell you that it's biblical because the Bible says that God prepares a place for you in the presence of your enemies. Can I tell you why he does that? I believe my God is a petty God and God said I want to keep your enemies around you to see how blessed you are. I want to show them how kingly I Am and show them that can't nothing stop the man or woman of God and i bless, blessed and I don't care what they did in their past. I forgot the past. I put the past as far as the east is from the west as long as they ask me for forgiveness and I shall bless this woman of God whether you like it or not. It don't matter how many haters come at you. It don't matter how many times they try to make you remember your past. If you just keep on walking toward the mark of the holy call, he shall bring it took fruition, he who began a good work in you shall finish it. Ooh, that was just a word to my haters. It's a word. See, see, I I gotta tell y'all something. I gotta tell y'all something. Stop paying them attention. Don't call me something that happened, been done months ago. Calling me. Disturbs a mess because they life ain't good. You just want my life. See, that's what you gotta realize. When people hate on you, they wanna be you. They mad at you because you you and they who they are. And you gotta stop letting people make you feel bad and bring your energy down because the only way they can bring themselves up is to rob you of your energy. Oh yeah, y'all, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Negative electrons gotta they they latch on the positive uh, positive other elements and that's what balances it out I don't want no electrons in my life I don't want no negative charges you got to start learning how to walk away from people that always bring up mess and walk away from people who never want to forgive other people and give them another chance you got to stop walking around them judgmental folk that always act like they was always good and good today and the only other person that walked on water besides Jesus was them, you better let them know that even though Jesus is sitting on the right hand, that don't mean you on the left, baby. We all fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> let me go on and get back into my sermon. I had to get that out. I should have got it off yesterday. Number two, I'm good now. How y'all doing? You okay? That was a word from my sponsors. Back to our regular schedule program. Number two, doubt keeps us from taking a risk. If you had been the disciples, in the disciples' place, would you believe God could change Saul? You know the saying, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is not true. (laughs) Saul, the number one enemy of the Christians, becoming one of them sounded way too good to be true. It's understandable uh, to be wary or worried when someone comes to us claiming to have changed. What if they're wrong? Or what if they're lying? You know, some folks think they changed, but maybe they didn't change. We'll just get hurt again. Maybe you've been hurt by someone over and over. Now you're at the point where you don't feel like you can trust that person again. We know that we're supposed to believe God can change anybody. It's just that there seem to be so many people who never do change. And if we're talking about a person who can harm me, the safer thing is to stick to my doubt, right? Why take a risk on a lost cause? Fear and doubt keep us from taking a risk on relationships. There was another far more sinister reason though, and that's number three, Sister Reba. Cynicism keeps us from taking a risk. See, cynicism happens when we decide that our preconceived prejudices represents reality. We apply them to everyone and everything, not just this person, but everybody. All y'all bad, all y'all, all All y'all crazy. Somebody in the church hurt me, I ain't going back to church no more, but you go back to your job. I'm I'm, going to leave that alone, that's a whole other service. Cynicism thinks it knows better. People don't change. They can't be trusted. Risks are never worth it. We figured out the way things really work. We aren't about to be taken in like everyone else. We know what people are really like. We know their game, their motive, and won't be fooled again. When we're cynics, we like to say, I'm just being realistic. But do you know what cynicism is? Cynicism is taking all of your fear and doubts and making them hard. We force them into armor, and we can wear that we can wear to protect us from the world. That's what real cynicism is. I doubt that all disciples in these verses were cynics, but I bet a few of them were. You can't see your friends get arrested and killed without becoming a little hard, huh? It's amazing how I'm able. And when I got here, I ain't like the police. And I had to talk to Sheriff Morgan, and Sheriff Morgan, you know, he was cool, and you know, he was my color. And I tried to, I gave him a little pass, and we began to talk, and then he began to tell me, you can't hate all the police. And then I had an incident with the police officer that, 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 that when I had an accident and I was trying to figure out what was going on on the phone and let people know I wasn't gonna make it, who was rude to me, and the white lady came to my defense, that didn't help me. Then God said, start in touch to bring the community together with the police. I was like, what are you talking about, God? This man just totally disrespected to me, fussing at me, didn't ask me "Was I okay, and you talking about building a relationship with police? He was trying to make sure I didn't become a cynic because you can't get mad at all police because of one police person. Then you really can't get nothing changed if you don't have a relationship. So if you ain't at the table, you ain't going to be able to make any decisions. Come on, somebody. So then I had to get to the point where I had to make myself vulnerable in order to deal with the police, even though I didn't trust them. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Do I trust everybody? Thank you. I ain't want to have to say that in my sermon. <laughs> but I don't, I don't judge somebody just because they got a uniform on. I don't judge them, even though I had bad experience with them just because I was black driving an Lexus. That don't mean I gotta hate all of them. And God had to work on my heart. So I know that God has to put us in places that we're vulnerable in order to make a difference in the kingdom. You have got to trust God will give you discernment and teach you how to discern who is good and who is not and you can't worry about getting burned every time because unless you become vulnerable for the kingdom, you cannot make a difference because the minute you step outside and say you're gonna do something for God, the devil is right there because he's never gonna attack anyone that's on his team but he attacks people who are kicking in the gates of hell and making a difference of the kingdom. You have to be willing to take a risk and be vulnerable if you will ever do something for God. Your haters are coming for you when you do something for God. And it's not them. Stop looking at it like flesh and blood. It's the demonic spirits that's controlling them. You battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities from high places and evil wickedness. That's why your weapons are not carnal, but are spiritual for the casting down of strongholds and vain imaginations and anything that exalted itself against the army of the living God. So stop going to your Vaseline and taking your earrings off and Stop losing up your time and get in your prayer closet and put the Spirit of God on these people that continue to come against you and let the Holy Spirit fight your battle. This battle is not yours, it's the Lord. And if you begin... Go to your prayer closet. He's talking to me right now. I just want to show folk every now and then. I'm talking to, you know. I'm saying, but anyway. all right, God, let me go and preach my sermon. Leave me alone. See, see, some disciples probably didn't even care that he changed. They probably like, you know what? That's good for him. So he put a P in front of his name instead of an S. I don't trust this Negro. He would kill everybody. And if he did change, so what? Okay, he tried to kill my mama. I ain't studying Paul or Saul, or whatever his name is. Change your name don't change you. I ain't trying to do it. Let him figure it out on his own. Let him have his own Bible study. Don't come to my Sunday school class. hmm You remember that time on 64, you cut me off? hmm Some folks, po- anyway, let me go on somewhere. See, when we take a chance to take a risk, on someone. Fear says they might hurt you. Doubt says they probably haven't changed. Cynicism says they will hurt you and they will never change. These are things keeping us from taking a risk. What about you? Which of these is a struggle in your life? You're not alone. The disciples were feeling all of these things, which is why they steered clear of Saul. His conversion could have been an act meant to trick them, or it could have been a temporary change. Maybe he'll glitch and kill me again. But there was another possibility. He could have been transformed by God. Only one person was willing to consider that possibility, and that was Barnabas. We don't know why Barnabas decided to go look at Saul. Perhaps they knew each other. Maybe Barnabas had heard something they others hadn't, something that piqued his interest. Or maybe Barnabas decided that Saul was worth the risk. We know that from Acts In 436, that Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. And we see him acting as a mediator between others, uh, people and others all throughout the Bible. Whatever the reason, Barnabas decided to look for Saul and find the truth for himself. And what he found changed everything. So what did Barnabas do? And how can we be more like him? What does it look like for us to take a risk on people God loves? I think there are three things, three ways we can be a Barnabas for other people. How can we be Barnabas for other people? Number one, got three more points, Sister Reba, told you. Number one, take the time to hear their story. Someone said the reason God gave us two ears and one mouth is because he intended us to listen twice as much as we talk. Doug Larson says wisdom is a reward you get for a, a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. Stephen R. Covey says people, uh, most people do not listen with the intent to understand, they listen with the intent to reply. But Barnabas listened. See, when you start listening to people you break down barriers. Hey, you, you know the, the most powerful words? Hey, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. People love to talk about themselves. Let them talk. It's funny how the, 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 I was a sister-principal over discipline, and, and these kids were coming in and lied the whole time, but I listened to the whole story because I want to hear what they got to say. It's entertaining me. I have all the evidence right here. And I say, well, look, man, I got five statements say that this happened this way, and none of them talked to each other. I put them in separate rooms, and this is what they said. Man, you're right, Mr. Maxwell, but thank you for listening to me, man. Don't nobody ever listen to me. It was crazy. They're like, look, yeah, you're right, I'm lying. (laughs) You got me, but you knew I was lying in the beginning. Yeah, man, I already know what happened. That's why you're in here. (laughs) And they were just so happy that I listened to their story even though they were lying. And some of them began to start being different and changing because sometimes people just want to be loved and listened to. And when you begin to just listen to folk and let them talk, a lot of times you can help break down barriers to change them because some people never get any positive attention and some people are negative because that's the only time they get paid attention and sometimes no matter how old they get, they do the same thing. The same kids that cry out and mess with folk just to get attention become 40 and 50-year-old kids. That attack you just because nobody gets him attention until they act negative. (laughs) Trying to help y'all, but he listened. He listened to him. The rest of the disciples assumed they knew everything they needed to know about Saul from he said, she said. Now they did see some. (laughs) They assumed they already knew his story or they were too afraid to find out differently. Have you ever been driving in your car and somebody cuts you off and and you say peace? <laughs> ah, I just saying, peace. You know, I know you Christians. I know y'all don't get them half of it. I know you don't. I believe in you. <laughs> and you get all mad and you fussing and you get mad because they just disrespected you and then later that day you do the same thing. And you look and you see somebody fussing at you and he's like man they ain't mean to because you understand what you didn't mean to do because you understand you but you don't understand the other person you gotta learn how to try to understand other people from their perspective because you are a kingdom man or woman you are there to curate change you are there to bring people together you are there to mend relationships you are there to bring people out of the darkness into the marvelous light you have to bring peace even when other people are trying to bring war you gotta take the high road even though people try to to take the low road, you got to keep on trying to mend relationships, even when other folks say that they're dead and they're never gonna change. Because you are a child of God, and the same way Christ kept trying to give people chances, and the same way God gives people chances, you got to give people chances too. Now you ain't gotta reconcile them back to the position they were, but you gotta forgive them and try to help walk them through their life. When we listen to someone else's stories, our opinion of them often changes because we understand them, because we listen to them and we understand the struggle. See, everybody was just mad at me when I got here. You a pastor, why you don't like the police? But Sheriff Morgan made sure he listened to the story. Oh, I see why, but this, this, and this. Because if don't nobody listen to you to try to understand, or try to talk you out of something, they don't understand what you're saying, you don't care. But when somebody really listens to you, it can help transform your life. And the same way that you can transform your life, it can transform somebody else's. So number one, we said we gotta do what? Take the time to hear the story. Number two though, verify the facts. Verify the facts. I ain't tell you to go back in this blind now. If all we do is take someone's word, that can be a devastating consequence. It's important, to remember, Barnabas, Barnabas didn't insist the church welcomed Saul until he met with him and checked out his story, and Barnabas wanted to make sure Saul was real because it was, if it was alive, the entire church would be messed up and in danger. Let me be clear, being willing to take risk on people does not mean that we incautiously open ourselves up to abuse. We need to discern by ourselves whether God has truly worked in their lives or whether they're simply trying to manipulate us. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation we ought always to forgive, that's given. Reconciliation is not always a good option. If reconciliation is to occur, the facts must be verified. Has true repentance occurred? Huh? Two, is there a willingness to make restitution? Three, is there evidence of a changed life? I don't know what all Barnabas and Saul talked about. Maybe Barnabas asked Saul to tell his story several times to make sure he said it right. You know how some folks tell you the story? Then the next day they tell you a different story. Now hold on, yesterday you said, and the day before that you said, and last week. Now what happened? <laughs> you know, because some folks can tell a story a million different ways and they can't keep up with the different stories they told everybody else. So he made sure that all his doubts were addressed before he brought Saul to the rest of the people. Notice though, that once his doubts were taken care of, Barnabas acted decisively. He didn't sit around for a month wondering what he should do. Once he became convinced of the truth of Saul's story, he knew what it was time that it was time for Saul to meet the apostles. If you have doubts about someone, somebody verify the facts, but once you do, keep it moving. Listen, verify. There's something else we need to do if we're going to be a Barnabas for someone else. Three, trust in God's power. You can't change anybody. You do know that, right? Women, I know you be trying. Girl, I'ma change him. I'm going to make it just like I want it. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going leave it alone. The third thing is actually the first thing we need to do. Reject cynicism and trust in God's power. If we decide to take a risk on someone and yet begin the process with a cynical attitude, we just wait on them to fail. And we're going to find what we're looking for. We're simply waiting for a person to fail us because we're assuming they will. If we're really going to take a risk on the people God loves, we need to get rid of our cynicism right at the beginning. You never see Jesus begin cynic- cynical in the gospels, right? Why is that? Cynics pride themselves on being realistic or understanding the way the world really works. No one understood Uh, people or the world better than Jesus, so why wasn't he cold, jaded, and cynic? Because he knew the power of God. Jesus understood better than anyone else that God could transform people. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't think like God. You can't change people like God. Can I tell you, look in the mirror. Have you changed over time? You sure? But can't nobody change, right? but you change. You change. You don't do everything you used to do, but can't nobody change. So can't nobody change, you the same. Some of y'all, what, 50, 60, whatever? You do the same thing you did when you were 17? Did you grow at all? Did you change at all? Do you still cuss out the same amount of folk you did 10 years ago? Now, you still might cut somebody out, but at least you don't do it every day like you used to, at least every other day, (laughs) once a week, (laughs) every now and then, on occasion, just on holidays and special occasions. (laughs) But, But seriously, have you changed? Can you truly look in the mirror and say you've changed and you've grown? If you have, that means somebody else can change too. The problem is we never want to give anyone a chance. And some people get mad at me, like, why you keep on trying to to help that person? They don't never say it. Well, one day they might. Because I know good and well, if somebody didn't work with me, ain't no way i would be standing in pulpit. What in the world? I know some folks be looking like, man, you teaching for real. Man, that ain't you, is it? How in the world? Lord have mercy. But, yeah, in God's grace. Hallelujah. If I could sing I would, but I ain't is that? See, see, look. See, when some of the Sadducees tried to trap him with a trick question, Jesus told them what their problem was. He said this in Matthew 22, 29, you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. Even though you a Sadducee, even though you a Pharisee, even though you go to church every day, you don't know the Scripture or its power. Cynicism cannot be our starting point. We must trust in the power of God because If he can't change people, no one can. In each of us, his appearances, in each of his appearances in the book of Acts, Barnabas exudes confidence and trust in God's power. He's willing to intercede for people whom others have given up on. He knew what God could do and so went to Saul without any hesitation. You know, I've seen churches have church meetings and meet with folk to have a meeting to put people out of church. I ain't never done that, no matter how crazy somebody was, no matter how much, us, they kept lying on me and coming against me. I never do that because what God said: let the wheat grow up with the tares. Because when you try to uproot the tares, you might uproot the wheat too. And some of us are so judgmental we don't know if that person can ever change. Can you look at it? Peter and Judas looked the same to me. One of them betrayed him; the other one denied him. They looked the same. They both went away crying. But one thing about Peter: he girded himself up, got back up, and repented, and began to do exactly what God called him to do so can I tell you something right now it doesn't matter how bad it looks it doesn't matter how down and out somebody looks like they are God can change somebody and make them right again look at Peter he didn't know what he wanted to do one day but the next day he's preaching bringing thousands of folk to church so had been killing everybody God met him on the way to Damascus and said I'm gonna change your life and the mess you've been doing has been wrong and I'm gonna make sure you do it right can i talk to somebody that knows somebody that's been doing evil if you keep on praying for it and keep on doing the homework i gave you one day god is going to give them a breakthrough and they're going to do mighty things for god i don't care how evil you are i don't care how evil you been i don't care how sinful you been god can change your life the old school preachers say he'll pick you up turn you around Put your feet on solid ground. He'll do it. He'll make a way out of nowhere. He'll change you. He'll sanctify you. He'll anoint you. He'll transform your life. Oh, tell you why I can preach because I'm done all the stuff you done done. Oh, you better watch out. You better watch out. You find you somebody that can preach and touch your soul. They done walked down the same sinful path you done been in, but one day they met God on the way to Damascus, on the way to Newport News, on the way to Atlanta, on the way to Alabama, on the way to the liquor store, on the way to the whole house. They saw Jesus somewhere. Maybe they saw him when they put a needle on. Maybe they saw him when they was on heroin. But God showed up. Showed and transformed him how dare you judge how somebody else met Jesus they might not meet Jesus in church maybe they met him on the street corner maybe they met him when they got shot but sometimes gotta meet somebody somewhere you don't know they should uh-huh he might have met her When the sugar daddy tried to choke her out, but Jesus showed up. See, church folk think God only meets people at church. He might eventually bring them to church, but God can meet you anywhere. Stop judging somebody else's story. God can meet you in a drunken stupor. God can meet you when you out your mind on heroin. God can meet you when you're walking down the streets as a prostitute. God can meet you in a racist rant. God can convict you no matter where you are. God can change somebody. If He changes you, He can change your neighbor. If He changes you, He can change your enemy. If He changes you, He can change your brother. If He changes you, He can change your son. If He changes you, He can change anybody. Move on from your past fear because the devil always wanna keep you looking back. I learned that in track, winning the whole race. Look back, lost by a second. Look back, you lose a step. You look back, you lose momentum. That's why you got folk on your Facebook wall writing on it. But I learned this new feature that's called block. I was like, why am I debating with this ignorant nut? Why am I sitting here worrying about this? But I, I don't care what you say about me. They don't bring me nothing, they say I don't care. I don't even know you, I ain't never met you, don't want to. People start seeing you doing stuff and the devil ignites his minions. See, you gotta stop looking at that person and understand it's spiritual. It's not them looking for you, it's Satan trying to distract you and sift you out like wheat. We- <laughs> you keep worried about people, you way bigger than that. See, you don't know who you are and that's why you keep addressing foolishness. Once you know the king you are or the queen you are, you will stop addressing foolishness. You can't even get to the king until you go through a whole series of chats. See, Facebook doesn't open us up to a whole bunch of folk we don't know. But you better use that block, it's powerful. Block. Delete. Ignore. Talk to the hand, I'm not listening. Because the thing about it is, they'll take your energy down. And what I've noticed is, the demons know when to come to me. So I know they know when to come to you. They always try to mess with me on Saturday or Sunday morning. So I can't, I can't, I can't open it. I can't listen to it. Because they're there to distract me. That's all they are, are distractions to make you look back in the past. I'm sure that they kept making Saul try to look back in his past after he became Paul. You tried to kill so-and-so back in 1954. I know in 2022, but at the end of the day, you ain't gonna change. He read two-thirds of the Bible. They were still trying to kill him because they didn't believe he changed. So now let me flip it around. You don't treat nobody else bad because of their past as long as they don't do it in the present of you. But don't you let anybody else hold you in your past. If he could change Saul from killing folk and use him to bring them to the altar, to the same altar he was trying to destroy, God can use you. Don't you let anybody tell you God can't use you. If God used a whoremonger like David, a lying swindler like Jacob, a punk like Jeremiah, a cusser like Isaiah, a murderer like Moses, a doubter like Gideon, an alcoholic like Noah, a liar about his wife, talking about that's his sister like Abraham, a person that was trying to be out here uh, uh, couldn't stay out of the lila's house use Samson if God could use all of these folks with the flaws that they had he can use you. If he can let the prophet Ezekiel speak the dry bones and make them live he can speak the dry life and the dry patches in your life if he can speak life into dry bones. He can speak life into your situation. Is there one that wants to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Say that no, God can transform you. And know that God can change you. And know that God can make you the way He needs you to be.